When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Analyzing Everton. Um, my name's David Hughes and I'm joined by Josh Williams. Josh, I'm not going to ask you how you are today, mate, because um, it was your birthday last week, so instead I'm going to wish you happy birthday. Happy Thanks birthday. Mate. Thanks. Did you have a good script last, last, uh, was it last weekend? It was well. I was. I came back yesterday, didn't I? I was in the air during the Liverpool game, which was painful. Mm. Um, double holder, or bless him for some. Hey, double holder. Have a great looking inch or something like that. Like I don't know, a few more grey hairs and that, mate. But yeah, <laughs> no, you're still there. You're still young, aren't you? Um, but yeah, peak years, mate. Yeah, peak years. That's it. Just coming into your prime now. Oh, what is it? Twenty six. Twenty six yeah, now. Yeah, prime footballer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm tw- Pace to burn. I'm 28 in March, so I feel like I'm starting to be on the downward spiral. <laughs> I'm getting a one or two year contract instead of uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone who's listening as well. Um, today's a bit of a strange podcast, isn't it, for us? Yeah. Because Everton haven't played since our last show, which is a little bit annoying for us because we tend to look back on games and the the data from within the same and analyse the, the fixture. So it'll be something a little bit different today, but hopefully people enjoy it. Um, given that it's at the time recording, um, it's Thursday and the deadline day is tomorrow, we thought it'd be good to have a look at some players who have signed for Premier League clubs in and around Europe this month and give our we'll give our thoughts really on the player. Um know their chances of success at the team and in the Premier League and maybe if they would have been a, a good suit for Everton as well yeah obviously it's Everton side back towards Everton yeah of course um, and then what we'll do is we'll we'll have a look ahead to Wofford obviously Premier League's back um, and Wofford are a little bit more of a difficult side than perhaps the league table suggests but we'll come back onto that a little bit later on um, so yeah we'll We'll have a look at maybe four or five of the more high-profile January transfer signs this season. And we'll start with one that was very recent. I think it was only last day or so it's been announced. Um, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing I'm pronouncing this one. I'm yeah, wondering. if you could, mate. This is a complete guess, I'm going to be honest, because for me, two clear different ways you can, you can say this lad's surname, but... Daniel Pedense is yeah. what I'm going to go with. It's Pedense or Podence. Yeah. It's, it's one of them two. Like. I said the latter, but I, uh, if you're new here, I have, a, I have a record of just butchering surnames, so I almost never back myself in these situations. So I'm going to go with what Josh said. Um, but Daniel Pedense signed for Wolves this week for a reported fee of, I believe it was 19 million. Yeah, from Olympiacos, yeah. Olympiacos. Um, one of the reasons I'm going with Pedense, by the way, is because I watched them earlier in the season against Spurs in the Champions League. I'm vague, I'm pretty sure they, they would pronounce it that way. Right, uh, right. That's when he first 
well, that's when he first properly become on my radar mm. as a player that I that just took me fancy as I was watching him. He stood out as one of one of Olympiacos' best players comfortably. Mm. Uh, and I think it's I think for me it's a good deal. Yeah, well, I suppose if you if you're on the subject of him, do you want to give a little overview of what you what you're thinking? Yeah, well, I actually saw. I actually wrote about him a couple of days ago for uh, the Birmingham Mail because I was you know led to believe that the deal was happening. So he just looks like a I mean, Wolves are known for doing quite good business, aren't they? Mm. And I know he's a, I think he's a Mendes client. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously unsurprising, but it's not a case of, you know, some agent, some agents get get involved with deals and it's not, it's not always a positive, is it? Mm, no. Uh, like I think when United signed Paul Pogba, obviously they dealt with Mino Raiola, paid Raiola a lot. And I think just as a means of getting more out of a man, they got, Mkhitaryan threw in yeah. when he didn't really want him no. didn't really need him either mm. and it doesn't really help but I think this is this is different isn't it this is this is run a little bit differently this is this is using the power of an agent positively yeah uh, he's almost got his own feeder club really Mendes yeah. it's a good it's a good relationship they have with Wolves and that predates Premier League as well doesn't it which is why they were they managed to become one of the better sides in the Championship fairly quickly and the you know they got the was it Neves that they got whilst he won the championship. Yeah, the AO Jota as well. Yeah, which two really well, I mean, ridiculous signings for the championship, I think. Well, the Champions League players, really. And, yeah. the, and they're playing in the championship. Mm. So, obviously, they were dedicated to the project. They got sold it well. Mm. And it's it's paid dividends, really, because they're still going top club at the minute. Well, strength to strength, strength, really. Yeah, uh, but he's a, he's a player with, you know, relatively high seal. Mm. Uh, 19 million for me. Is, is good business, I think. Mm. One thing that's probably going to be, I'm going to say quite a lot in the next half an hour, recurring theme, is that I, I personally believe you, you should spend, you should dedicate a certain fee, certain amount of money based on the need at hand. Mm. Um, you know, hence why certain clubs pay, certain clubs that are well run at least, pay 70-odd, 60-odd million for players that they're really desperate for. And backups might only get a fee of about five to ten million dedicated mm. to them. Um, so I think nineteen million for a player that's going to be probably in and out to start in eleven, mm. and he's going to maybe with time, considering he's twenty four, stake his claim as an established starter. I think nineteen million's fine. I think that's relatively low risk. I highly doubt that they'll end up having to take a hit on that player. Mm. Um, obviously, got resale value. Yeah. And he's Portuguese, so mm. he's going to fit in with the the culture that's been established at the club over a number of years. Yeah, yeah, I've um, I've said a lot of similar stuff here. Um, looking at his profile, for me, he very much seems like a Wolves player. Mm. You know, it, it, he's the type of sign you can make and benefit from when you have a set philosophy in place. Um, a quick look at his numbers: he three point four progressive runs per ninety this season. Um, he attempts just short of eight dribbles per game, which is is quite high. And it's I know he's got a lot of pace as well, and that just ties in really well with how Wolves play, isn't it? Where yeah. kind of sit back and then hit sides on the counter. Skillful players, you know. Everybody's talking about Traore now. He's I'm not saying he's as skillful as him for obvious reasons, but it's he, that type of player, isn't it? Yeah, he is similar in terms of being able to cope in isolation, being yeah. able to drive his team up the field despite having very little support. Mm. Um, he's also a right footer that seems to play a lot on the right as well well that's interesting that when I looked into him he playing, he's playing on the right this season mm. and his actual goals goals have maybe taken a hit last season 
and a shots have certainly taken a hit in terms of the amount he takes per match. Last season he played on the left, mm-hmm. more inclined to cut inside, and as a consequence he obviously shot more. So be interesting to see where Wolves use him. Um, but you know he's a player; he strikes the ball really well. Um, he's quick, tricky. What one downside? Probably considering, especially England, he's he's very small. Yeah, five I four. I think so. Yeah, five I'll, four or five five. Which is five quite, five. Sorry, five five. Yeah, yeah which is quite it's still uh, small. I thought was that. I wonder to put it in perspective for Evertonians. Listen, oh, let's see what Bernard is because obviously I think, I think Bernard's five six. You know. I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, I like Bernard, but if you're smaller than Bernard, you are, you are pretty small, aren't you? Um, but the the advantage he has over Bernard, he's a lot more muscular. Mm. He's quite stocky. Um, when I, I I haven't far far yeah but yeah he's he's got a, a bit more of a build of I'd say a, along the lines of his Shakiri. I was build. thinking Shakiri, yeah, yeah, I short was, and stocky, yeah. c- can cover the ground comfortably, mm. good little dribbler. Um, so I think he's different to Bernard in the sense that, you know, he, he's not easily knocked off the ball or anything like that. Mm. Um, and he's got he's got room to improve his, his end product. I think his, his, goal, his actual goals and assist numbers, don't, I don't think are that great. Well, funny enough, I've put on here, but I know bear in mind, people who listen a lot to the show, we've spoke a lot about, and we'll use him as the example because he suits here, Bernard. We've been saying how tardy Bernard is, we like what he does, but he doesn't necessarily have a lot in terms of output. Um, and that looks to be the case with him. Now, it, I thought it was interesting that you flagged that tactical change this season where he's been playing more on the right rather than the left because he's he scored five goals and two assists. Now, traditionally, if you're the right footer playing on the right side of the pitch, you're there to create goals, aren't you? Because you're going to be making, doing a lot of crosses. Um, it doesn't seem like he's really reaping the re- rewards because he's only got two assists so far this season. Um that just made me think. Actually, we're check his expected numbers. But um, uh, one other downside I'd say about the deal is that he's he's obviously coming from a considerably poorer league, which is obviously a risk in regards to recruitment. Mm-hmm. If you if you sign a player, that's going to have to acclimatise in terms of the quality. Yeah. If you're trying to play exactly the same game, but you're up against just simply better players. Then certain little tricks. I think oh, that's a bad example. I was I was going to say Nicholas Pepe. I think Pepe's dribbling numbers, I think I've taken a hit. And I think he's just trying to do exactly what he did in France, but against the better defenders. Yeah. And as a result, the little drops of the shoulder that he's doing are getting, you know, defenders are getting a foot to it rather mm-hmm. than him being able to get gains out of them. Just a little bit quicker in yeah, the Premier League. Literally, I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking minimal. But that is the difference, isn't it, in the, in the Premier League? So... um Go on, give give me your thoughts and, and just briefly, a yeah or no, do you think he's going to succeed at Wolves and will he have an immediate impact? Yes, the first question. And the second question, depends what you mean by immediate impact because so, I don't I, think up until the end of the campaign he'll be a starter. I don't think he'll start many at all. Well, all I'm thinking is obviously January. I'm not saying this move is what this. I'm just... but. Traditionally, January, you bring someone in to try and have an impact in the second half of the season. Now, obviously, Wolves and a few of the other teams that we're going to talk about are in and around Everton. Everton are, we think, unlikely to do any business before the window closes. So I'm just trying to gauge whether these sides have brought in players that have improved them and given them a better chance of finishing 
above them. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying there, but yeah. at, at the same time, I don't always think that players that are signed in January are signed to give a boost up until the end of the season. No, no, not yeah, I agree. Not every especially time. Wolves as well. Mm. Wolves are quite you know medium to long term thinking. I'm thinking Liverpool with Minamino. Mm. We have not signed him from a Liverpool perspective. Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. We have not signed him to give us a boost up until you know May. Mm. Um, I just think if a deal makes sense at a certain time, if, if he's maybe having not the most productive season in Greece this, mm. year, this year, obviously he's registered and not that many assists and I don't think he scored too many either. Yeah, but it's just by the way, his it was just over four, so he probably should have maybe four assists to his name, which does look a little bit better than two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I... Oh, sorry, I wanted to get one more question. Uh, do you think he would have made a good sign for Everton? Uh, I think it obviously it always comes back to what what, what Everton will be buying him for and whether he would suit Everton's overall you know style of play sort mm-hmm. of thing if you like. Um, if, if Everton did sign potentially, I, w- I wouldn't be that much against it and mm-hmm. like that. I think I'd be a bit more inclined to focus on a player with a bit more output though. Yeah, I um, I agree. My opinion is he. he, he Having said that, I was going to say, he is in the mould of the type of player that I identified a week ago, isn't he? In terms of a player who can play on the left mm. and, and offer an actual goal threat by cutting inside and driving towards goal. Yeah, I obviously identified Rashica from the Bundesliga. Mm. So it's the same, similar type, I suppose, but I don't know, he seems more of a Wolves fit. Yeah, I agree. I think he's he is... In the same way they like to try Ori and stuff, do really well at Wolves. They suit that style of play. I think he'll suit that really well. I I think he will be successful at Everton. I I think it's 19 million is a... All right, it's not a lot of money, but it's a decent amount of money. He is goal return and assist return, and even his expected numbers aren't phenomenal in a low-standard league. And I just wonder how he translates that into the Premier League. So I think it's one of them where he may be a good move for Wolves, but I'm quite content that he he didn't come to Goodison or Everton, didn't he? Yeah, I think for a, li- a little higher, I think, if I was yeah. Everton. Yeah. Um, solid start. Now, the next player I um, I wrote about very early on in our reach careers, I'm talking maybe February last year. Um Although he has been making a name for himself for a little while now, and it's Stephen Bergeron from uh, from PSV. Say, yeah. I hope so, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, or Bergeron, but yeah, PSV player and signed for Tottenham this week for twenty-seven million. Um, he is a he's an attacker, but he's very versatile. Right footer, but plays on the left, right, centre forward. Um, he's, he's got plenty of flair. Terrific dribbler. Uh, great balance another one who's not particularly tall uh, but it doesn't seem to impact his game too much have you seen much of him Josh? Or yeah I'm, 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 I'm similar to you in the sense that I haven't I don't think I've wrote any isolated piece mm. solely on him but every now and then we get asked to write for you know if if a club needs an attacker mm. it'll be like you know I, I suggest five realistic targets he could and he's he's been involved in mine a few times he's just yeah. a player that clearly has a high ceiling is at a club that would obviously sell him mm. um, 
for a, a relatively reasonable fee, young enough and things like that. So he, he's just a player that clearly makes sense in terms of targeting types that are clearly ready to make a step up um, or are going to be ready to make a step up in the near future. Yeah. Um, so so he, he fits that bill for me. Yeah. When I was talking about... Um, uh, when I was talking about Pedense, and I was saying that his output isn't that great considering he's playing in a lower quality league. If we look at Bergman's output last season, he scored or assisted 25 goals for PSV. Now it's... I, I was going to say, am I right in saying as well, it was a very even split down the middle? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. If, in fact, I'll get it up now. Because that's... You know, it's always a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. The fact if a player can can score, find and net himself while also creating for others. Yeah, he's, he he was he was very very creative, but also a goal threat. And I think what that does is it brings a brings an element of unpredictability to your players. You don't know if a player is going to um, shoot pass. Um, and I know you know he was averaging two point seven shots per ninety last season um, with. Well, just short of forty-four percent hitting the target at very least, which is is good numbers, isn't it? We yeah. were just talking previously about eight and over three shots per ninety normally results in a um, a striker that scores a lot of goals. So for an attacker that can play different positions, sometimes out wide, for him to be scoring uh, taking two point seven shots per ninety is pretty high. But the reason I used last season's data a little bit more than this season's was because. PSV have been a little bit of a well a mess this year. Yeah, I I, I was going to mention that myself actually. Yeah. I was surprised to see that they're actually fifth. Yeah, they which are. is shocking for a, a club of PS, PSG PSV's stature in the uh, in the Dutch league. Well, they sacked Van Bommel um, in December this year, and results haven't really picked up with the new guy. And I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, so this season there has been a reduction in his output a little bit. I think he's only shooting about 1.7 per 90 now, um, which obviously, it's, well, I say it has an impact on his on his return, but I'm pretty sure he's still got maybe, what should we have, he's 10 goals, 10 assists or something this season. Let me check now. Who's this? Bergen, just thought. Yeah, just a little bit on what I said before in terms of uh, scoring and creating equally. Uh, his numbers last season in the, the Dutch League, Dutch top flight, um, 14 goals, 12 assists. So, obviously, two-way attacker, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, he applies, applies to that sort of thing. In uh, 33 appearances, I think that says. Yeah, yeah, it is. And look, what I really like about him is similar to what we've seen before about Saz. He's not big, but he, um, he does seem to... Do well to hold off opposition tackles. Yeah, he's defenders. not a strong one, isn't he? Yeah, he similar is. to a, but loads of pace as well. Um, and I was going to come onto this a bit, but I'll just say it now. He's someone I actually talked about in the summer that I, I would have liked Evan to make the move for. Same, yeah. He, he, he fits the mold of the type of signing I would associate Everton with would making. Yeah, if they would like to to start progressing onto different levels and sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that player who's ready to make a step up. Uh, available for a, a price that you would say is reasonable. I mean, I think twenty seven million for a twenty two year old attacker with a high ceiling mm. who can create an assist quick. Um, I think that's fine. Yeah, I, I suppose people are a little bit apprehensive about the Eredivisie as a uh, as a league to buy from because it it does seem to be so hit and miss, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I think that's that's 
rightly so for me, but yeah. I think I do think you can get a bit of a bit of a vibe for a bit of a gauge on on the players that that are likely to succeed and the players that aren't. I think yeah. the, the ones that generally tend to fail are the ones that I don't know. I think I think it's a lot easier to succeed in Holland with a lack of pace, mm. um, like Davy Klassen. He's, yeah, he's a really good uh, Vince, example. Vincent Janssen's another one. Yeah, just completely paceless. Mm. Um, I think Eriksson's the only one I can think of with no pace who's succeeded. Yeah, once once moving, Lozano's obviously moved to Napoli. He's another player that I would have associated with an Everton type move. Yeah, talk about him in the summer as well. You know what? Though I have no idea how he's been getting on over there in, in Napoli. No, I haven't really, I haven't really picked up on him much at all either. Uh, I might have a look in a minute, but come on, can you? Can you on Saturday? No, it's just it just seems to be a deal that would make sense. I think I think it's a five year deal, but again, going back to the whole risk thing, which obviously you have to associate with certain transfer deals. Mm-hmm. I think there's quite a low risk attached to that transfer. Obviously, as I said, he's twenty two, five year deal, twenty seven million. I think there's relatively little chance of Spurs taking a real massive hit on that player, even if he doesn't perform particularly well. Yeah. Um, You'd like you'd think he'd be on quite a low wage, knowing what Daniel Levy's like, and considering he's coming from a league that isn't as big, a club that isn't as big. You haven't got the finances there, have they really to compete with the Premier League? So you, you can kind of get, get away with offering well less money, really. Yeah, and obviously from the Spurs' perspective, to just let Eriksson go for seventeen million, mm. so that's technically getting this player for ten million, really, mm. if, if you want to look at it like that. And probably cheaper wages as well. Eric's exactly, yeah. Top here, it? Yeah, it must be half the wage. Mm. Um, so just good business for me. Any? Uh, how do you think you'll get on with Mourinho? Do you think? Do you think he did that work quite well, or do you think it's a bit of relevance? I suppose it depends how he's how he's going to use him. Mm. Um, because Spurs seems to have a fair few attackers mm. with quite versatile profiles. Mm. Like you think of um, Lamella, you think of um, Lucas Moura, Son. Bergwin now, these are players that you couldn't really st- stick them to a fixed position, could mm. you? They're just attackers, and they haven't really got fixed flanks or it feels like it's a central fluid attack. Doesn't yeah, it? really, really fluid. Um, obviously, if he's playing on a flank for Mourinho, which he probably will be doing, he'll be he'll be instructed to task, track back. Obviously, work a lot harder off the ball than he probably did in Holland. Mm, yeah. Um, so whether he can stick to that remains to be seen. But obviously, Mourinho's give the go ahead for him. So, mm, so it will be an interesting one. But it'll be, I think it'll be different. It's safe to say to Enton Bergwin's experienced working under Mourinho. Can I assume that you uh, you are a fan of this move for Tottenham? Yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty seven million, low risk. I think it's fine. I uh, I I think it's a good move for Tottenham. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he has any. Input in this season, I can't really gauge Tottenham. I don't know where they're going to finish or what they're going to do. I, could, I don't know if they're going to put a run together or just going to limp to the end of the season. It's yeah. I must I must emphasise though this is exactly the type of deal that I'd like Everton to explore. Mm. That sort of move yeah. to a, to a club that is of a decent profile, but just can't really compete with Everton. Maybe in terms of the statute of the Premier League and the and the, the funding and things mm. like that. But it's a player that is clearly. Of a high standard, good resale value, high ceiling, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I uh, I would have had my event as well, but one caveat I will play. I suppose this is devil's advocate, or maybe just food for thought for people listening. Obviously, Marcel Brands was at PSV, wasn't he? That's a good point. Yeah, and uh, he would have been aware of him, and he's opted not to make a move for them. I don't yeah. know if there's anything in in that. That or, is a good point. That is a good point, but 
I don't know, maybe it's... I mean, if, if, one, of us, if one of us was to leave Reach mm. and we left on not great terms, you probably wouldn't want to get back in touch, yeah. would you? So, you don't know, I don't know maybe, maybe contracts about taking players from there and stuff. Yeah, you've got no idea, have you? So, But yeah, good move for Spurs and definitely an exciting one to watch over the next few years. Um, we'll do we'll only do a couple more, but I thought... Well, t- uh, Arsenal made a, uh, a move for Pablo Mari. This this week he was uh, Flamengo centre back. Anyone who watched the Club World Cup final, um, I'm pretty sure Josh did. <laughs> so did I, to be fair. But he played in that game. Um, signed for Arsenal on loan until the end of the season. I'll be honest, at first I wasn't particularly impressed by this move, but I had to write about him this week, and I think he's a little bit more of a dark horse than than maybe I expected. You know? Yeah, no, I think I think it's all right. I actually like it because. Uh, Arsenal seems to be doing this thing at the minute where they, they seem to be testing out signs by loaning them yeah. before actually purchasing them. Well, I believe that's that another one. problem on this where they agreed a fee, but then like, Arsenal kind of changed their mind and were like, no, no, we just want to we, we loan. It's, I find it weird that all the clubs are just agreeing to it. Yeah. Because L- I, I don't see the benefits. No, losing all. your best player for... Yeah. yeah. For six months. And then at the end of the six months, the... the the loaning club might just say, oh no, we don't fancy him. Maybe there's enhanced fees in there. But I just think it's interesting. Yeah, got, yeah, obviously, point. Everton are reliant on Holgate and Mina and they haven't, they've got Keane there who's obviously struggled for a while now and they haven't really got much in terms of centre-backs. So, um, I must say though, ge- generally I would, I don't think I'd be greatly in favour of that move, generally. I just d- because it's, it feels like a short-term fix, mm. even though it might not be. But it just feels as though I don't know. You haven't got your centre backs positions a bit of a shambles, and you want someone who's a bit more assured up until the end of the campaign. But I don't know. Considering Arteta's new trying to instill his ideas, hasn't got a left sided centre back, and you can potentially purchase him at the end of the season. And he's twenty six years old. Maybe there's a bit more medium to long term thinking with as well. But it's the short term fixes I hate. Yeah, that's what I don't like. I get. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just think something that we ref- ref- referenced is uh, how it's low risk, and that's what this is, isn't it? It's a low move, and if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Um, well, well, even if he's purchased, I, th- I think I've heard it's, it's only an eight million fee, yeah, which yeah. is cheap. That's buttons. Yeah, it's nothing, and he's not exactly aging that much, is he? He's no. twenty six, so. But I uh, I did a, a scout report on him from that game in the uh, against Liverpool. Now, bear in mind, Liverpool the best the Premier League has to offer at the moment. Because we're talking about potentially him adapting to the English game. Liverpool, the best the Premier League has to offer. And I say a little bit of this with tongue in cheek because there's so many other variables to it. But um, he won seven out of his seven defensive duels, three out of three of his aerial duels. Um, he, over the course of the 130 minutes, he made something like 89 passes and had a pass success rate of 85%. Now, when you consider that you're facing Liverpool's press, which is one of the best in the world, I had a look at some of his footage and he looked really unfazed on the ball. And I just wonder whether that's what Arteta finds so attractive because he's trying to install this, you know, more controlling possession-based game. And maybe he sees this Mari as a as a good player for it. Yeah, well, this is this is going back to what I've just said before. It entirely depends upon what the manager is trying to do 
what he's after, the style of play and all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you need to recruit based on that. It's not just a case of signing players that are just widely considered as good. Mm. It's it's about signing players that are that are suitable to the actual goal that you're aiming to get towards. And I think Pablo Mari, if you look at Arsenal's centre backs at the minute, they're just the full of mistakes. Mm. Now, the, you know, I'm thinking Mustafi, I'm thinking Callum Chambers, Socrates, mm. Socrates, Louise, yeah. Louise is obviously decent on the ball. Yeah. Well, sometimes. But he, can, he but has got a mistake. He's got a massive say, yeah. mistake in him, yeah. So I think this, it, it's obviously important for the style of play that Arteta is trying to instill. You need players that are capable of coping with that responsibility. Players that can cope with such a demand to build from the back despite being pressed. Because um, obviously they're under the awareness that any mistake results in a goal-scoring chance. Mm. So if you can sign a centre-back that's not going to make those mistakes, do it. And he seems to have been able to secure a six-month loan Eight million fee for a composed, cool twenty-six-year-old centre back. So, mm. I think it's definitely a good move for Arsenal. But I'll be honest, I think Everton. We'll wait and see how it pans out. But Everton may have missed the trick here with this one, you know. Because I think they do. I know you're talking about sh- um, short-term fixes, but I think Everton do need a short-term fix. I think they need something in central defence. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. I think, I think generally though, it's a type of it's a deal that you wouldn't see done a lot. Mm. Um, I think it's it, a lot of it's happened. I'm inclined to think because Edu is now the director of football at Arsenal. Obviously, yeah, he's yeah, Brazilian. Yeah. You don't usually see though a lot of Premier League moves where you know a, a player moves from a Brazilian club straight to the Premier League. Mm. That takes thinking outside the box and, and that sort of thing. Edu's obviously been inclined to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right there, but I do think that, mind you, there isn't much risk associated with it, is he? That's it. Loan, eight million. That's like. why it's so clever, isn't it, really? It's a, it's a, it's a loan and it's a low fee as well. So it's a low-risk investment. Um, yeah. It, the, the reason I'm saying this is because I think the the beige wine deal, that looks as though that's, that's something that Everton could have firmly done. Mm. That looks realistic to me, that yeah. Everton could have, Equally being that club that Spurs are there, yeah. Um, the Arsenal deal for Pablo Mari, I wouldn't expect many of the Premier League clubs to do that deal just because yeah. of where, as I said, where he's from and the type of deal it is and things. And yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, well, we'll move on a couple more and then we'll look at to Watford. Um, get some Fernandez, Benfica to Tottenham, low move. Um, go on, what? It's just a mad deal. Yeah, it's it's a it's a deal where everyone's using everyone. Yeah, it's it's, it's abuse. <laughs> I don't really. Each party's abusing the other. Yeah, it, there is a, it is like a, a chain of events, isn't it? But I, I don't quite understand what's going on. I'm I, I, I right. Tottenham just bringing in midfield, but what's yeah, happened from, at the Benfica then? Well, from from what I've seen, it's Spurs lack bodies in midfield. Mm. Benfica. Don't want Fernandez. I think there's a bit of a tension there yeah. or something like that, but I don't know if it's the manager or what. But there's a breakdown of relations there, I think. And George Mendes, who I think is the agent of Fernandez, mm. obviously wants his client to be playing, pay, playing, Football, and yeah. increasing in value, and yeah. you know, which is develop- why called as mate Jose. <laughs> yeah, developing a reputation, and that leads me on to the fact that Mourinho is a Mendes client. Yeah, so I think it's just. It's just that. It's, yeah. it's 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 a weird, weird deal. Do you think he'll play much? Or do you think he's there just to uh, 
appease a few people? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't buy the the 18 months loan with a 56 million option to buy. I think that's nonsense. Mm. But I think that the idea is by the end of that loan, clubs are aware of him more so than they are now. And he'll potentially get a move to England yeah. to, I don't know, maybe possibly even a Wolves yeah. or a West Ham or, or somewhere like that. But it is a weird deal and, and one that I would generally steer clear of because... What, what, so an 18 month, yeah, an 18-month deal, you could... What 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 dedication is that player going to develop to Spurs if he knows it's only 18 months long? I, I just don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I've been on the player, clean tackler, good presser, seems a decent ball winner. Um, good passer, tends to progress forward, but doesn't really stand out enough for well, that's, anything, that, really. That's one thing I was going to say. It is interesting that he doesn't seem to have really an actual profile at the minute. Mm. So from Mourinho's perspective, I suppose he's just a clean slate. Yeah. Which you'd, you'd like to think Mourinho would probably like. He'll probably be a squad player, won't he? Probably, yeah. Just kind of a um, Mr. Adaptable sort yeah. of thing. So not a great move for Tottenham? Um, I can see why they've done it. Okay. Makes sense for all parties, I suppose. Mm. But at the same time, if I was running the, the recruitment at Spurs, I'd, I'd be a bit more... I wouldn't do it. I no. don't think I'd do it, no. And... Um, Unlikely to really change the dynamics for Tottenham and uh, in terms of Premier League position, I mean, and Everton haven't really missed the trick either, have they? No. Uh, final one, probably the, would you say the biggest transfer of, the, of this yeah, window? Bit of a saga, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, Sporting Lisbon to Manchester United, rumoured 60 million, is it? I think 65, isn't it? 65. But I th- I'm led to believe that something like 15 million of that is unrealistic. Um, add-ons. Add-ons, yeah. It's like Ballon d'Ors and Champions oh, okay, League. And... Yeah. Never know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he looks a really good player. I'll probably, I'll say a few words, but I know you uh, you had a little look at him recently, haven't you, Josh? Uh, yeah. Because there was a, uh, something on, on your Twitter at Distance Covered, um, which... Um, is kind of a good indication of how, how well he was performing but yeah he boasts a ton of creativity um, he's also got that goal threat which what we were talking about earlier with Bergeron um, alright okay albeit it was in the Portuguese Premier League but United lack a lot of creativity across the side don't they um, he's the type of profile they really need and he seems to produce moments We've we talked about players like who's a good example of Evan Sigurdsson. You know, Sigurdsson will produce moments, won't he? Funny enough, someone on my Twitter replied to the the two data visits that I put up. Oh yeah, using Sigurdsson oh, really? as an example, saying like you know, Everton had a similar player with Sigurdsson, and it, if he doesn't produce the moments, the fans quickly get on his back and and that sort of oh. thing. See, so, yeah, uh, as I said, I haven't watched a, a lot of Fernandez. I'm talking eye test here beyond the data. But to me, he seems to have a lot more open play creativity and involvement in the game than Sigurdsson does. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm wrong. We'll wait and see. But um, yeah, I think he, he looks to be a good sign. It's just whether he'll produce in the Premier League. I don't know what your overall thoughts are. I find this one really weird. Really weird signing because I... Looking at his numbers in isolation, I can't get my head around why he's still at Sporting at the age of 25. Mm. because he looks like a complete outlier 
in Portugal. Mm. Uh, hence the two data visits that I shared on Twitter, just to capture how different he is to a central midfielder in Portugal. Um, he seems to do everything. Um, shoots an awful lot. Takes loads of risks on the ball. Dribbles a lot. Is fouled a lot. Gives the ball away a lot. Deep completions. Deep progressions just, just, and everything. Just, just yeah. loads. Um, and I, I tried to capture what he'd be like by saying, you know, he's the type of player that will probably do your head in for 85 minutes because of how often he gives the ball away and how many times he attempts to do things. But then he'll score from 30 yards and he'll win you the match mm. or something like that. So he's kind of a proper data player, really, mm. in terms of if you watched him, he'd come across as all over the place, probably in a bit rough, a bit bit raw and that sort of thing. But if you look at his numbers, he's obviously doing a lot. Yeah. Um, but that that's what leads me to believe why has no one bought him yet? And, mm. Something you know, for the, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's what his character's like, or I mean, obviously, sport demanding a ridiculous fee for him that could come into it. Mm. Um, the fact he does all of this would also suggest that for me, anyway, he needs a lot of refining for me on his game. So, I like doing all kinds of things, but once you get to a certain level for me, anyway, you have to become a bit more functional, you can't be. Such a single-minded player. Yeah, and then suddenly, is the the tactics of the side got to be so heavily um, tailored around? Tailored, yeah, yeah, around him. Well, it, that's, yeah. that's it. I mean, I use Coutinho as an example because we we suffered from exactly that at Liverpool. We have since become a lot more unpredictable mm. in attack by losing that that ball dominant player. Yeah. Coutinho obviously saw a lot of the ball and shot a lot. So he had a bit of a big chunk of the pie basically. Mm. Since we've lost him, you become more team focused. So yeah. whether United want that, you know, you don't know. But considering how much he needs refining for me, especially in association with the price, sixty five yeah. million. Yeah. There's a bit of risk there, I would say, but he's such a data player that it's it's a really weird deal for me. Just a just weird... for people who don't know, what what would you be defined as a data player? Just a player that shows up as a clear outlier mm. in comparison to others. A player that, you know, if, you, if you're scouting, people are inclined to talk about, oh, use the eye test or use the numbers. The idea is you use both, but the data comes in handy because the data can identify what you would deem as an outlier and then you can go and watch the player and start, you know, gauging why he's an outlier yeah. and whether he's a good outlier or a bad outlier. And so he's a data player in that regard. Mo Salah was a data player. Um, just players that post loads of numbers, but when you watch them, they look a bit rough. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I think he, uh, I think he's got, for me, it's a 50-50 chance to make it at United. Um, it's going to be, inter- it's just about whether he can adapt to the Premier League and whether United can get the best out of him. Now, uh, I think he will still improve United, which is a concern because obviously Everton and United are in the same group of sides trying to finish in the top six. Hopefully he doesn't have an immediate impact. Um, but equally, I think with for the funds that have been paid to bring him to Old Trafford, I don't think Everton have missed out. I think it's a, it's a, it's what I call a pressured signing where United need him to be a success. Otherwise, it's going to be a huge loss. Uh, and I don't think Everton need that, that pressure. Um, plus, you know, he's not getting any younger. In, in three or four years' time, he'll already be arguably on his way down. 
from his prime. Yeah. So it's it's not a bad deal. It's just I don't think I want my club to do it. Yeah. It's it's a strange one. Really, is a strange one because there's, there's good points of the deal. It's obviously he's a good age, um. So it's relatively long term, um. Dedicating the fee based on the need. They mm. do need a midfielder. They do need goals, but it's a lot of money. There is risk associated, but it's it's a weird deal. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Um we'll look ahead to to Wofford now. Um just because I think that that's pretty much it in terms of the big transfers and uh just quickly one final thing we'll say is on the whole, I, I think there's only maybe Bergeron that I would have really liked Everton to do. I think maybe Pablo Mari could have been could have been a good option. Uh, but on the whole I think it's just Bergeron, isn't it? That's really the the one that you, you would have liked to see in Everton yeah. get 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 in there. Um, but yeah, Watford. Now, if you looked at the Premier League table, you'd see Watford um, second from bottom, you know, real re- relegation candidates. But in reality, when you scratch under the surface, they're maybe in a false position. Yeah, they've certainly got a better squad than relegation. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and earlier in the season, I must say, I do think the... the, the People in charge of the football and operations made some weird decisions in terms of when to sack Javi Gracia. The man who they replaced him with has already been at the club. Um, but I think since getting in Nigel Pearson, I do think they've improved. I do think they've become a lot more well-drilled, a lot more functional. Yeah. And they're now more inclined to secure results, basically. Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, and we, we have a look at some of the underlying numbers. The, uh, the 11th, for expected goals, 11th for expected goals against, um, 13th for shots taken, 11th for shots against. I mean, just just on that alone, that's you're looking more of a mid-tail side, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally would associate Watford as a club between, say, 8th and 12th. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I would perceive Watford. Yeah, when you take the squad into account as well. But interest, interestingly, since uh, since Nigel Pearson's come in, they are um, fourth in the table for the games that he's been in charge. So there's um, Liverpool, City, Southampton, Watford, and then ironically Everton, <laughs> um, which is a good sign for Everton. But yet the the top four for XG since he's come in as well. Um, but what I will say is they've they've well beaten sides like Villa, Bournemouth, sides who were struggling. But all the games have tended to be a little bit tighter, you know, a little bit on a knife edge could go either way, and they've they seem to be going the way a little bit more recently. Um Oh actually I think they got, no, sorry, when I say Villa, they they won the XG against Villa comfortably but got beat two one. Did they get beat, yeah? Yeah, I'm sure they, oh, yeah, I think they did. Sucker yeah. punch yeah, it was recently, yeah. Um he was just sending off on that, wasn't he? Yeah, there was. But we both watched them not so long ago, didn't we, at, uh, against Liverpool, and that was Pearson's first game. I don't know about you, but I was I was really impressed. I don't know why I said he was just sending off, because he wasn't. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> but yeah, no, so, was I, so was I. Just agree, just agree. That's all I do in life. That's yeah, all I do in this job, just agreeing, hoping that no one uh, calls me out. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, joking aside, watch them in Anfield, put in a really good performance, probably one of the better performances I've seen against Liverpool this year. 
Yeah, and it was all, a sign of what was to come under Pearson. Yeah, and no, straight away he was, um, you know, clearly very well drilled, disciplined. Um, Any time a Liverpool player received the ball, he would probably be forced backwards. He'd be pressed. Um, they kept a really tight shape, and they counter attack basically. I mean, mm. soaked pressure to an extent, mm. and then counter attack. They've got one thing they have got. They've got good ball carriers throughout yeah. the team. Um, not just out wide either in central midfield. Capoue can t- can take a ball. Mm. Decore can can cover ground. Is Decore uh, fit because Everton were linked with Decore and people were being really dismissive of it, saying it'd be a waste of money. I think it was in the summer, but uh, on reflection, I think that could have been a good move for Everton. I do like him, but for me, it, it fits into that that mould that we've talked about a little bit regarding Brands and Sam's not thinking outside the mm, box it's just a yeah, bit it's, no, it's too much of a predictable deal it's, it's another it's along the lines of another Nathan, Nathan Aki mm. you know what I mean it's you'd expect it yeah it's not it's not smart enough yeah for me no that's fair that's that's fair that is fair um, one I, thing come on what are you I was just going to say I think Saad is out though oh he is out I think that's a big thing yeah I flagged him as a danger man actually yeah I think he's out I'll double check that now I know we missed uh, one in particular terrible miss against Liverpool, but on the whole, he's been a really good player. Yeah, I, I thought he would be when when they signed him, to be honest, but he obviously took a while to get going. I think mid-season, when he did face Liverpool, I saw after the match that, um, you know, he was talking with Sadio Mane and so he, he doesn't actually speak English, mm. uh, which is obviously a, a reason behind maybe his, his slow start, yeah. but... He's a player that's clearly got a high ceiling. He's only 21. Yeah. Good move, that. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good move. But their recruitment can be quite good, to be fair. One um, one thing I did notice just recently is of the last five goals, um, Watford have conceded, only one's been from open play. So there was a penalty in there and then three set pieces. Now, not necessarily always the, the first um, connection to the free-kick or corner, I find that these seems to get done a lot on the second phase. So, you know, it's initially cleared and then comes back in. And I just wonder, with Everton's aerial threat, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, who I think should be fit again, is that something that they could potentially exploit? Yeah, it's possible, but exploiting a second phase is generally quite difficult, isn't it, really? I, I don't know. I think it's all about positioning of uh, players for if you don't win the aerial if you don't win the aerial duel, that you'll pick up the loose loose balls. Yeah, like all distance towards the back post. Yeah, the for, the, yeah. For, for the second delivery or something like that. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, Everton did score recently. We talked about it, didn't we, against, was it West Ham? Where, yeah. who was it, near post, flipped Holgate. it on. Holgate flipped yeah. it on. Calvert Lewin finished at the back post. Yeah. If Everton can do something like that, I suppose. I mean, you wouldn't strictly label that as a second phase, I suppose, but. It's along the lines of Everton thinking smartly from a corner. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's it's thinking about what could happen after that first contact, albeit yeah, exactly, it, yeah. Yeah, whether it be you know a, a flick on or something along those lines. But yeah, because we, uh, I think it was you actually that spotted that it was a bit of a set play routine, wasn't it? Because I missed yeah. it, but I was impressed by that. And I, I, I want to see Everton do more of that. Um, and, you know, Wofford could be a side to... Who do you benefit against? Because I'm expecting a tough, tough game, to be honest. Yeah, well, I was going to say then, generally in open play, they're quite a tricky team mm. to break down, I'd say. So if you can get them little gains by set pieces and things like that, yeah, obviously, you know, do it. Exactly. So if you can do that, it may, it may be a difference making in terms of the results. Um, 
we touched on Saar, who looks like he might be out, which is really good news because I was concerned about him. Don't fully quote me on that one. I, I, no. I, I did see something, but... It's hopeful. Um, someone else who's playing really well for them, who can be on his day really hard to play against, Troy Deeney. Yeah, definition of what... what the traditional pundit would label as a handful. Yeah, I think. a handful, yeah. I've actually called him a bit of a bully. Yeah. I, th- I think he in can In a good be. way, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got five goals in seven games. Um, you know, he's, he, he is robust, handful. Um, I think it's, it, it, it's having those strikers, isn't it, that they're aggressive and physical enough to the extent that they're able to occupy a back line on their own. Mm. Calvert-Lewin's similar, mm, but yeah. albeit not with as much of a spike, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and not, but not, he's not going to get he, sent off a few times a season. No, but he's he's in he is in your face, isn't he? And and that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think um, it'll be it'll be interesting because he, I remember he come out with some interesting pre-match comments last season where he said something along the lines of um, when Marco Silva was coming back and he was like. Um, Something along the lines of, you know, the fans don't need to worry about it. We'll make sure we kick them off the park or something. And uh, I remember I remember thinking, surely if you're never playing the dressing room, you, you kind of make sure you put in a robust performance to, to counter that. And it was a limp 1-0 defeat. And I, <laughs> I think he scored. Or oh, he was certainly involved. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a character anyway, but he could be a danger man on this form. And it'll be, I imagine, a tough game for... I'd say Mina and Holgate, but more more so Holgate. You know, he's been playing really well, but he's, he hasn't got that experience yet. Um, I mean, the, the, the perks of playing a striker like Troidini is that, you know, obviously you can push up your high line a little bit, a mm. few, few yards higher, considering he's got a complete lack of pace. Yeah. And if, if Sar's not playing, um, I, think the, I'm, I think I'm safe in saying that the replacement won't be as quick as Sar. Mm. De is obviously a little bit of a threat, but he's not. You wouldn't say he's fast, would you? You know what? Yeah, I say he's got a turn of pace on. Him, he? To be fair, but he's in terms of in behind, though. Um, he's 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 I a good runner di- with the ball. I, oh, certainly, yeah. But yeah, I think a threat in the in behind is is a different type of pace. But the thing is with De because we what we we saw at Everton, he just doesn't do it consistently. Like he might play on the weekend, and you might not even notice him. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard to really gauge how much of a threat he's going to be in a game. Because um, he can be just so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, we'll finish on, as always, a verdict. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a 2 2 draw. Although I prefer to Nicky, I'll be honest, but <laughs> I think it'll be hard. I'm going to go 1 all, I think. Mm. Uh, as I said, difficult teams to break down. Um, and considering Watford are going to, I think, still play with the same, mostly counter-attack and offensive game, I think that's going to be tricky to do without Saar if he doesn't, if he doesn't play. Hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, it will. We'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll we'll review that game, and then I think we got another break coming up, haven't we? International break, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, inside the, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's it. We'll um, we will hopefully be talking about a win, and we'll 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 talk again next week. Josh, thank you very much, mate. No worries, mate. Cheers. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.